The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yep, ring the bell on the last weekend of July summer. It's hot everywhere, and we hope the boxing action will be as well for this weekend. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the host of the program, TJ. I've got some special guests coming up, including outstanding, legendary, longtime boxing play-by-play man Barry Tompkins straight ahead. He will be on the Showtime call of the Gervonta Davis-Ricardo Nunez main event WBA Junior Lightweight Championship fight from Baltimore on Showtime, along with Al Bernstein, Polly Malinaji, the whole Showtime crew, Barry Tompkins on the call. You know him for many, many years as the voice of HBO's boxing. He's been with Showtime now uh, for over a decade. Uh, tons and tons of great fights. I look forward to talking with Barry about Gervonta Davis and this matchup and also uh, reminisce with him a little bit about some of the uh, the great fights that uh, that he remembers calling, including who he might compare Davis to. Again, that's one of the fights that we're focusing in on here as we preview the weekend on the podcast. We're also focusing in on the doubleheader. DeZone has the show from Arlington, Texas. Maurice Hooker, Mo Hooker, and Jose Ramirez for the Unified Junior Welterweight Championship, 140-pound WBO, WBC Junior Welterweight titles on the line. Hooker, the WBO champion. Ramirez, the WBC champion. That's the main event in Texas where everything is bigger. Co-main event is the IBF Junior Lightweight title, 130 title. That is Tevin Farmer and Guillaume Frenois. For Farmer's IBF belt, he puts it back on the line. The significance here, too, if Tar, if uh, Farmer wins and Gervonta Davis, who's expected to win easily, but if they both win, they may be fighting each other. WBA-IBF unification fight down the road in the 130-pound junior lightweight division. So again, a tandem card in Arlington, Texas that we will be talking about as well a little bit on the show. Later on, David Payne, the boxing writer from the UK, is back. Not only to give some thoughts on what happened this past weekend with Pacquiao and Thurman, I'll give some thoughts on that here in a second, but David also with some insight on the heavyweights uh, in the UK, including Dillian White, uh, who, when we talked in the preview mode last week, was headlining the triple header of heavyweights uh, that were going to be fighting at the O2 Arena last weekend. Uh, White victorious by decision over 12 rounds over Oscar Rivas, but the bigger deal is the controversy of his failed PED test before the fight. He failed a PED test before the fight, Dillian White, the British contender, and they didn't reveal it, uh, and not even to the opponent, Rivas. Uh, David Payne will have all kinds of thoughts uh, on all of this when he joins us a little bit later on in the podcast. Where do we go from here with the British heavyweights and what he thinks about what was done uh, or not done? Also, Marquise Johns, the lead writer, the purveyor, uh, the overseer of BigFightWeekend.com, who does a fantastic job. Marquise will be here uh, to help recap uh, Pacquiao Thurman and also talk about the fights that are going on this weekend. We, we also don't need to go any farther on this podcast without talking about what happened last Friday night uh, at the ESPN top-ranked show in Maryland where a, a Russian junior welterweight, 140-pound contender Maxim Dadashev, uh, was killed after what was a uh, a brutal fight over the course of 11 rounds in which, as the fight wore on, 
uh, his opponent, a Puerto Rican, Subriel Matias, began to wear him down, outscoring him at times 3-1 to one in punches. Uh, Matias landed over 300 blows between jabs and the power punches over the course of the 11 rounds before the fight was finally stopped. It was obvious that Dadashev was way behind on the cards. In fact, the three judges, none of them had given Dadashev more than two rounds. One of them gave him two rounds. The two other judges had only given him one round. It was a one-sided fight, and Buddy McGirt stopped the fight after the 11th round, where Dadashev had taken a bunch of punches in the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th, and said, that's it. Obviously, as you probably know by now, Dadashev collapsed shortly thereafter, leaving the ring. We've seen this all too many times in boxing, where the critical care around him I'm going to say this, was was not as urgent to get him oxygen, uh, to get him thoroughly checked out. And Dadashev, I mean, uh, seconds and minutes are vital. Dadashev went minutes without proper care and proper checking as he tried to walk back to his dressing room and couldn't even do that with his trainers and with McGirt. Collapsed, rushed to a local hospital, Prince George's Hospital nearby, uh, the MGM Arena uh, that's there in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Dadashev was then uh, rushed into surgery to relieve swelling on his brain. We've heard that all too many times uh, in the sport. Survived the surgery, but unfortunately passed away earlier this week, just 28 years of age after after only being in the sport for 14 professional fights. So uh, this once again, and, and I'm going to say this throughout the podcast, it's a constant reminder of how different, brutal, um, sobering this sport can be. The fighters are risking their lives, their livelihood, their health, and their lives when they get in there. And this was not the case where it was simply one punch that bashed Dadashev uh, and concussed him, and that was that. It was an accumulation uh, over time. So anyway, we'll talk more about that uh, with our guests, uh, David Payne and and, uh, and Maurice Johns a little bit later on. But obviously, that's the bigger deal. Obviously, the second biggest deal in the ring from last weekend was last Saturday night's pay-per-view win by Manny Pacquiao. As I wrote on the BigFightWeekend.com website, what more can you say about the Pac-Man? Future Hall of Famer. Look, I know, and we're going to talk about this with David Payne, that there are allegations out there about how is he this athletic, this fit, the reflex is so good at over 40 years of age. But look, innocent until proven guilty. There, there's not a positive drug test. Uh, they did some some random drug testing through the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association before this fight and post-fight. And Pacquiao was nothing short of brilliant. He was fit. He was in better shape than I thought he would be in. He outfought Keith Thurman. Uh, again, for Marquise and me, we do this show out of West Central Florida, where we're based with BigFightWeekend.com and the podcast. So we lean a little bit towards Thurman out of Clearwater, Florida, and boxing out of the St. Pete Boxing Club. Just a tough Saturday night for Thurman, uh, back from over a two-year layoff. It had one fight in January and looked pretty good in that win against lesser competition, Josecito Lopez. This was Hall of Fame competition, and Pacquiao knocked him down in the first round with a quick right, and I thought Keith was tentative after that for two or three rounds. He was not the Keith Thurman we've seen. It was almost like he was afraid of the counterpunch at times, afraid to let his hands go in the second and third round of the fight. Uh, Pacquiao then scored heavily with a couple of big punches and may very well have broken Thurman's nose. We got no official confirmation on that, but the way his nose was bleeding, not just in that round at the end of it and throughout the fight, it looked like it could have very well been a broken nose. 
when, when they can't stop the bleeding and the blood flow round after round after round as this went on. And give Thurman credit because he took some big punches in this fight, took a big body shot in the 10th round and was hurt and fought on and survived and held on. Again, Pacquiao excelled late in the fight where I thought Thurman would wear him down. He wins a split decision. It's almost it's almost a given that Pacquiao is going to be around controversy and controversial decisions uh, with the fight that in, in 2012, now seven years ago, he was absolutely robbed in a summertime decision against Timothy Bradley the first time that they fought. Just an awful decision where Pacquiao dominated the fight, easily won seven or eight of the rounds and was not given the decision. Then Pacquiao traveled all the way to Australia and fought Australian welterweight contender Jeff Horn for a vacant uh, title, the WBO title. And I thought he won that fight that that afternoon in Australia, late at night in the in the U.S. in a in a uh, rugby stadium. I thought Pacquiao was the better fighter, landed more of the cleaner punches, but Horn was given the home country decision mysteriously. So my point is, you know, when Pacquiao fights, it's going to be questionable decision so when jimmy lennon jr last saturday night late read split decision first it was almost automatic that pacquiao is going to be involved in a crazy decision and one of the judges gave thurman the fight seven five in rounds i didn't see that i didn't see keith winning a sixth round or a seventh round maybe five rounds i thought pacquiao won the decision and the other judges agreed gave him the decision Close fight, hard fight. I don't know that there'll be a rematch. What happens next with Keith Thurman? We'll talk about that. Clearly, he is not the same power puncher. Now, two fights in and 24 rounds in here in 2019 that we saw Keith be earlier in his career. Maybe that has something to do with the competition. We'll talk about that with David Payne, with Marquise Johns. We'll, we'll find out where Keith resurfaces, what happens next with Pacquiao, war of words on social media with Floyd Mayweather this week. I don't know what it means. I don't know that those two are ever going to fight again. I don't know that Floyd's going to fight again. Keep in mind that Money May has not fought a boxer, has not been in the ring with a boxer in over three years. I believe he's retired. Pacquiao's at least been active and fought three boxers here at age 39 and 40 over the last year and a half. I I don't think that fight's going to happen. I think it's more likely that Pacquiao's waiting on the winner of Errol Spence and Sean Porter. Might he go fight Terrence Crawford? Crawford might very well bust him up. I don't know. We'll see what Pacquiao does. The next fight will probably be in early 2020. We'll find out. Anyway, there's the there's the lid on what was a great performance from Manny Pacquiao. More from our guests in a little bit. A reminder here, too, that Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And whether we're talking about these fight cards, uh, like the one in Baltimore for Javante Davis that is coming up on Saturday night on the Showtime card for his title, the fights that are in Arlington, Texas coming up with Mo Hooker and Ramirez and Tevin Farmer's title defense coming up Saturday night in Texas. All the boxing cards across North America go to Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, for the best selection of seats uh, for 100% customer service guarantee. And we've even got a promo code. Big Fight 10 will save you 10% off your initial order. If you're a first-time user of Vivid Seats, remember the promo code Big Fight 10. 10% off the order up to $50 at Big Fight Weekend's promo code Big Fight 10 at Vivid Seats. So make sure you have that at checkout. And reminder, again, use Vivid Seats for all the tickets to all the events. Football season coming, baseball games, concerts, uh, you name it. You can find it on Vivid Seats. But in particular for us, for the fights, remember Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. 
All right, here we go. Special guests upcoming. Barry Tompkins straight ahead from Showtime on the call of the Gervonta Davis main event fight Saturday night on Showtime and their cable network. Uh, We look forward to hearing from David Payne, the boxing writer in the U.K., uh, he's going to have some insight again on the Dillian White situation, his suspension, his future. What does it mean uh, if a British heavyweight's going to ever get in the mix here besides Tyson Fury? We'll see. Marquise Johns will close things out, talking about these title fights with Davis Nunez on Showtime and then the doubleheader on DAZN, including Maurice Hooker's a title unification fight. All of that is straight ahead. Let's get rolling here on the podcast. Yeah, it is a pleasure to bring on here one of the great boxing commentators and voices that you will find that you will hear uh, for many, many years. Barry Tompkins of Showtime Boxing is with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Thank you. Uh, I should say to the audience that Barry is being very accommodating because he's been trying to get to Baltimore, Maryland for the Gervonta Davis uh, world title fight. He's gotten there. We got fighter meetings going on, and Barry's like, look, I can do it, but we got to figure out how and when. You made it happen. Thank you. Good to have you. Glad to be with you. Glad to be with you, TJ. All right. So, Gervonta Davis and Ricardo Nunez. Davis, obviously an up-and-comer. Biggest storyline. It is the first uh, world title fight in Baltimore uh, involving a Baltimorean, if I have that right, champion in almost 80 years. As I joked with your colleague Steve Farhood a couple of weeks ago, you want to confirm you did not cover that fight 80 years ago. Neither did I. <laughs> I but, knew he would say that. Yes, yes, we that. did not cover that fight. You did not. Farhood did not. But this this is history-making, yeah. and it's a great up-and-coming talent that's the main event Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, local guy, and uh, and it'll be a sellout crowd. And, of course, He'll have, you know, the whole city in his corner. He's, in fact, he was given the key to the city just the other day. So, uh, and I was kidding him about the fact that he's got the key to the city now. He no longer has to break in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he, he had a, a very, you know, a really tough upbringing. No, no question about it. And that, you know, oftentimes that's the story with, with fighters. And he's overcome all of that. Now he's a champion and is a champion at a very young age. Uh, he's a big talent. If, as long as, long as he can keep it together. Um, there's no telling how good he might be. Hey, one of the things in watching him repeatedly, outstanding body puncher, and maybe that doesn't get enough attention when we watch fights, call fights, and see fights, but this guy, I'd say better than average, if not really good, to the body, and that's going to be one thing to keep an eye on, is it not, Saturday night? Yeah, it will be, and you know, I, I think this fight is going to really depend more on what Nunez does than, than on what Davis does. Um, because Davis, he's a big, heavy-handed puncher. And, and if Nunez tries to battle him, uh, you know, you could time this fight in seconds rather than minutes or rounds. <laughs> uh, I, don't think Nunez, I don't think Nunez will do that, but it would be contrary to his style if he doesn't do it. He's, he's always on the attack, too. So when you look at the matchup of the fight, you really have to think this is made to order for Javante Davis. But uh, Nunez, on occasion, has fought at long range, and I think that's his only chance in this fight. Uh, you talk about body punches, and that is, it's a real... Well, I've seen him drop guys with body punches, and not everybody can do that. Uh, in fact, a lot of fighters just get headhunter happy and, and forget about the body. And Davis, for a young guy... He's very skilled for a young guy. Well, he is talented. He is undefeated. He's expected to win. Again, the opponent, a Panamanian 
who has not fought ever outside of Panama, the best I can tell from all the research and the records I've done. So this is a first time for him to come to the United States and try it. The one thing we do know about Nunez, say what you will about the competition, nine knockouts in the last 10 fights. That would indicate he's got some kind of punch. And I guess only uh, the only only thing that we have to wait and see is, does he have enough punch to make this interesting? Right, Barry, Saturday? Well, I think I think that's the problem. He's never seen anybody like Javante Davis. And so you, have, you might have to question the guys that he's been getting out of there. Like his last fight, he knocked out a 32-year-old guy who hadn't fought in two years. So, yes, it's a knockout, but quite a difference in caliber competition. So, you know, but it's stranger things have happened than for a guy to come – from a place like Panama, or we see it with Colombian fighters on occasion, or Nicaraguan fighters, where every now and then somebody will come up here and show some real skills. And uh, and even though they haven't really been fighting, fighting anybody, it's not because they've been protected. It's just because there haven't been any opponents where they live that are up to their caliber. So stranger things have happened than for Nunez to, to jump up and beat a guy like Gervonta Davis. But Davis is a huge favorite. I, you know, I don't think he's peaked yet as a, as a talent, and he's getting everybody in front of him out of there as it is. I think, you know, to go out on a limb and say that he could lose this fight is really, really stretching it. But what you hope is that, at the very least, Nunez could be competitive and maybe maybe hit him a couple times, and let's see how Gervonta deals with that. No doubt about that. You just jogged my memory. I'm an old school guy. I'm older than maybe uh, what you thought or what you knew. But I still remember Barry Tompkins on the call of Alexis Arguello, Aaron Pryor in the Orange Bowl. When you talk about a Nicaraguan, in that case, the legend, the late Alexis Arguello, uh, and the bombs he landed on Aaron Pryor, and Pryor came back, and Pryor kept coming back and wore him down and eventually stopped him. Uh, there have been some great champions out of, out of uh, out of Central America for sure, and we'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if this is one sided or not. Absolutely, and that fight. You know, people ask me all the time, "What was the greatest fight you ever called?" You know, and I've called bigger fights than that one, but that was the greatest fight I ever called. <laughs> really, I mean, it was. Oh, it was, it, and it was more. It was. It wasn't just the fight. It was the whole spectacle around the fight. It was in the Orange Bowl. There were like 60,000 people there. It was really a charged atmosphere because, the, you know, very big Latin population, needless yep. to say, in Florida. And uh, and he, and that was when the, the Civil War was going on in Nicaragua. And so people were taking sides. And, and uh, Arguello had contributed heavily to, I believe it was the Sandinistas. I, I don't remember which, but there was the Sandinistas in the contrast. But he was a big contributor to their to their effort and so there were people taking sides against them even in his own community so it it was really and not to mention priors you know who painted himself as the bad guy you know off the streets and which he was and um so all of that went into making that fight what it was and then of course it was uh, i mean to say that it was a war is really not doing it justice Amazing fight. Had the controversy after about what was he drinking, uh, the, the yeah. Panama Lewis controversy, what was he giving him. Yeah. Had it all. Had yeah. it all that night. And I just, I, in my own mind, I'm loving me some Barry Tompkins. Remember you call that fight with Larry Merchant and the others on HBO many years ago. I don't know yeah. that we will get that Saturday on Showtime. Again, Barry on the call with Al Bernstein, Polly Malinaji of this Gervonta Davis fight. Before I let you go in a moment, does Davis remind you of anybody up and coming? You've had such a decorated career calling fights. Does does anybody come to mind that he reminds you of, Barry? Or maybe it's a maybe it's a couple of guys. I don't know. Well, well you know, it's it's interesting, TJ, because you and I talked about this a little bit before we went on uh, went on the air. 
And and the guy that came to mind immediately was Aaron Pryor. And <laughs> How about that? that? Before you sort of you asked me about Pryor and Arguello. Uh, he's got that same kind of mental that attitude. Also, you know, he wants to get you out of there, and he's relentless, relentless. And and that I do. I see it's very analogous to the style that Aaron Pryor in his best days showed, and his best days, of course, were that those fights with, with Arguello. I, I do. I see, I see a real, even in terms of, you know, where they came from and, you know, Javante Davis said, talked about, you know, coming from a tough neighborhood. I, I, I don't know if many of your listeners remember the, the television series, the wire, yep. but that was shot here in Baltimore. And that is, that is the neighborhood that Javante Davis came from. That's where he lived. And, and, and Davis told us, he said, that that show did it justice. That show made it seem better than it was, <laughs> you know. And I remember that that show being just. I mean, you know, you had your your heart was in your hands the whole show, you know. And uh, and that's where he came from. And Aaron Pryor, likewise, you know, came from Cincinnati from a really really bad environment, you know. So I, I see some real parallels between those two. I love it. I love the insight. We'll see if Davis delivers the early knockout or not. Can Nunez hang in or not? We'll find out Saturday night on Showtime. Barry Tompkins on the call with Al Bernstein, Paulie Malinaji. Again, publicly, thank you. I know you are busy. I know you're trying to get everything done. We look forward to you on the call of the fight. It was a treat to have you here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, TJ. Nice to talk with you. And with still more to come here on Big Fight Weekend, a reminder we're brought to you in part by Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, whether it's that Gervonta Davis title fight coming up in Baltimore, Maryland Saturday night, whether it is the Hooker Ramirez and Tevin Farmer title fights coming in Arlington, Texas, or wherever these fights are happening, check out the best selection at Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. They've got great selection. They've got a 100% customer service satisfaction guarantee. Your money is safe and secure with them through your transaction. If you have any problems with a refund, etc., Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, and our promo code BIGFIGHT10 will save you 10% off your order. Put that promo code in at checkout. 10% off if you're a first-time user, up to $50. Promo code BIGFIGHT10. It's Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. We do continue along. Always love the insight of the boxing writer, David Payne, from boxingwriter.co.uk, his website in England. We have much to discuss. Uh, I have already given a couple of thoughts on Pacquiao Thurman, but it's good to have you here, and I want to lead off with that, my friend. First of all, how are things I know uh, you said just before we began this official conversation, stifling, is that the right word? Very hot in London, hot hot summer right now, right? Yeah, we're uh, – good evening, everyone. Good evening, TJ. Yeah, we're experiencing a, an unprecedented heat wave here in the UK. We are not the land of the air conditioning unit, so um, it's getting – it's getting very hot under the tweed tie here. I might have to take my jacket off soon. But no, joking aside, we're touching 39, which is unprecedented for us over here. So, yeah, melting everywhere. And for those of us in the U.S. in Fahrenheit, that's approaching triple digits or worse, right? Oh, so that's... Yeah, way uh, over, yeah. 
not uh, not good. Well, so you can I'll I'll uh, go pop culture. You can be like Phil ja- Phil uh, Collins on this no jacket required on this interview <laughs> because after all it is uh, podcast radio theater of the mind here. Well, it's, uh, Need it's st- certainly in the air tonight. Uh, very nice. Say? Good follow up. Score yourself five bonus points on that. <laughs> all right. So speaking of scoring points, Manny Pacquiao scored a lot of them literally, figuratively, and otherwise. Um, I, I have said, I, I wrote this immediately after the fight, it was kind of an age-defying performance. It was a tremendous performance. I will be the first one to admit I was very much shocked that he did not wear down, that he was outstanding, uh, and defeated Keith Thurman. My thoughts there. Your thoughts on what we saw with this decision win, handing Thurman his first loss, and the legacy of Pacquiao continues. Uh, yes, it's a phenomenal achievement and another outstanding performance um, by any measure. But obviously, with the with the fact that we were witnessing a forty year old who's been a championship fighter for two decades or more, it just uh, makes it all the more amazing. Um, I think I mentioned in preview that I was just about leaning towards Pacquiao having enough to win enough rounds to get the decision, which is pretty much how it how it went. Um, and I probably implied some shadows in our conversation a week ago. Um, but I'm going to try and resist that tonight because I think until such time as something is proven t- to the opposite, we have to take the performance at face value. It was remarkable to beat a fighter in his prime, one of the top two or three in division, unbeaten, a big um, puncher at the weight, uh, to do it relatively convincingly. Um, is amazing and perhaps we just have to appreciate um, that amongst us is an all-time great um, and one who has fought often enough to have proven that over a long period of time to um, I think to force himself at least into conversation about a top 10 or 20 of all time Um, and hopefully time will not take that away from us and we can say that we had someone within our midst that does some in some way compare to the greats of the past. Hopefully that's never spoiled for us. Yeah, sure. And I know what you're, I mean, the implications are uh, that you're, when you're age-defying at this age and still excelling, that you've got some kind of performance-enhancing drugs. Now, now, look, I haven't brought this up uh, as of yet, but we might as well right here. They did do a voluntary uh, anti-doping testing prior to the fight. They did a, they did a post-fight VADA test uh, as well. I will further say this, for all of the internet speculation, and that's all it is, uh, about uh, Pacquiao's conditioning versus his age, uh, the uh, the ability to still throw volume of punches uh, even late in the fight and as effectively as he did, for all of that speculation, there's not a pill, there's not an injection that's going to help you take a punch. Uh, I, I, you know, I will vehemently go after whomever toe-to-toe figuratively in a debate that you can't take something that helps the toughness part of taking punches and taking punishment. Um, not that not that I or anybody else that I've heard discuss this uh, to be aware. And that, that's what impressed me to bring it back to the fight. I, I don't know how much we make of that toughness because Thurman clearly was hitting him and could not hurt him and could not sustain hurting him as the fight wore on. And I really believe that was the difference in the end. Pacquiao took Thurman's best, gave back, won the 10th round late, may have very well won the 12th round late because Thurman couldn't hurt him, couldn't wear him down. David, your thoughts? 
Uh, yes, it's. Um, I, I don't know about the validity of your your claim, and I won't enter into the toe-to-toe you suggest about whether uh, performance-enhancing drugs can improve your durability or your ability to withstand punches. Um, but that put to one side, um, what it perhaps also spoke to that it perhaps is uncomfortable listening for you guys, because I know you've spent some time around Keith Thurman. He's from your neck of the woods, as we say. Um, but perhaps Thurman isn't quite as good as we thought he was too, which is also something that I um, pointed to uh, in preview, and which is why I felt Pacquiao had had the opportunities or would would have the success that he did. Um, but no, he, he couldn't hurt him through the fight, didn't really seem to make that breakthrough, and you and I both did discuss that possibility that if he couldn't, how does he then go yep. on to win the fight? Yep. Um, so it was just a good fight, a good fight between two top, five guys in the welterweight division and we know a little bit more about both and um if we are to put the birth certificates aside for a moment then pacquiao is a very live fighter in that division and there's lots of interesting matchups available to him providing they don't involve the retired one yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with that one. There's certainly, and I know you're mentioning, uh, without mentioning again, Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> Money May, and there's been some social media sparring. I, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, Mayweather hasn't fought a boxer in over three-plus years. I don't know that it's anything other than hype uh, at this point. Hey, one more point on Thurman, and this has been made by others. Um, that now post-injury, we now have two fights with Josecito Lopez in January in this fight where we can, not the full sample size, but we can maybe look at this and say not the same puncher anymore because of the injuries, the elbow injury and the hand injury that kept him out for almost two years, 20 full months, that maybe he is not the same puncher anymore. And and, and I don't know. I, I guess time will tell on whether he gets it back. What do you think, David? Well, the... It's a rarity for a fighter to be away for two years for whatever reason at whatever point in his career and come back and either be the same or better. Um, Keith Thurman has had his physical prime. We've just talked about Manny Pacquiao defying those kind of benchmarks, of course, but he's had his physical prime. I don't believe he improves from this point forward. And as you say, in two fights, he's um, he struggled to dominate. He struggled to... Um, make two different opponents weaken. Uh, Lopez got back up. Manny Pacquiao seemed untroubled by um, flush punches that he was able to land and continued. So one of his um, big assets seems to have diminished, uh, or maybe it's the quality of the opposition has improved um, over the longer period um, because, of course, the fights with Garcia and Porter Similarly, he didn't he wasn't able to quell them completely either. So maybe that's part of it. That can happen too. Um, I also remember, as you mentioned, the injuries. Um, speaking to Colin McMillan, a featherweight from the 1990s over here in the UK, um, a good puncher in his time, but had a horrific shoulder injury and had a similar amount of time out and was, was never quite the same again. Couldn't recapture it and had to con- con- concede that despite going through multiple operations and many different types of rehabilitation. So it is um, a difficult business. Few fighters get through a career without injury. Few fighters go into a fight without some niggle or other. But um, a significant injury like the ones that uh, Thurman's had 
they can't be good for his longevity or for the preservation of his of his assets. And I think perhaps we saw a little bit of that evidence on Saturday. Yep, maybe. And again, he's 30, and he's got a chance to obviously redeem himself. Other fighters have lost, redeemed themselves. We don't know what's going to happen. He's a very likable guy. Again, I lean towards him being in this area. We'll see if he gets back in the picture a year from now, a couple of years from now. Who knows? Um, and, and to that same point, Pacquiao took a year off after the loss to Mayweather with rotator cuff sh- uh, sh- uh, shoulder surgery, right shoulder, and mm-hmm. he still throws a wicked right hand at his age. Again, make of that what you will at the advanced age, but he was able to uh, overcome it from surgery, and we'll see what happens. At one more point I know that I, I wanted to make, too. Uh, it was the Las Vegas anti-doping that also caught Canelo Alvarez, too, let us not forget. Uh, at, at one point, the, the Nevada uh, anti-doping. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, what history uh, reveals on Pacquiao and if there's anything uh, legitimate to what all the speculation is. Oh, hey, let's make a segue. Speaking of PED violations, so over in the UK, the heavyweight triple header took place that we talked about previewing last time on Big Fight Weekend. Dillian White wins the fight with Oscar Rivas, But that's really been overshadowed with what's come out now post-fight midweek where essentially it's been revealed that White had failed a pre-fight drug test days before the fight and nobody said anything, including to Rivas, before the fight. David, I defer to you. Your thoughts on all of the shenanigans here? Well, as you say, there's almost almost three stories. I was going to say two, but there's almost three stories here. Obviously, the the fight was one thing, and it was a a very good performance from White in a very difficult fight. Um, But as you say, that's washed away now by the news that he has um, failed a a test for um, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, The reason that there's another story that runs in parallel is the fact that this occurred pre-fight and that Obviously, there were several parties privy to this knowledge, aware of this fact, uh, and the fight went ahead. The the pay-per-view was preserved and the fight went ahead. And more galling than that still is the the apparent um, revelation that Rivas was not informed, so could make no choice or judgment about whether he wanted to continue and enter the ring with someone who it would seem, has taken something to improve his performance and gain an unfair advantage. Obviously, we have to do the due diligence of, um, it would seem, a second test or a second sample being tested, and we still at this point don't know what the substance was, the extent of the uh, transgression by Dillian White. Um, because to my, to my, as my opinion on these things has evolved, the drugs, the drug taking can't be a black and white uh, issue. We'd love to make it binary. You fail a test, therefore you're banned for life. There are there are shades of grey. There are degrees of of uh, how much someone has gone over a line. Jarrell Miller being one extreme, and someone taking some sort of over the counter um, cold and flu um, <laughs> right. remedy being being the other end, and you can't treat the two things the set in the same way. Um, there are those that argue that you should, and that's the only way that you'll get the the only sanction that will actually make people think twice and be more scared of, of what they're digesting. But um, I th- unfortunately, in Dillian's case, he does have uh, a previous, which was at the thinner end of the scale I mentioned, the over-the-counter or kind of supplement type thing, um, which was accepted when he took when he appealed that he he didn't knowingly 
seek uh, an enhancement. But if he is found to be guilty again, I believe he's looking at an eight-year ban based on um, British Boxing Board of Control. Uh, which is remarkable. Which, which yes. considering, considering that Canelo Alvarez, I think, got eight weeks, or it might have been eight hours, to think eight years is remarkable. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. Obviously, there are perhaps ways. That if that did turn out to be the case, there are ways that um, Dillian could perhaps navigate that, shall we say, by not fighting under the British Boxing Board of Control sanction. Um, we've had that in the past. We had that with Derek Chisora, David Hay, which wasn't sanctioned by the British Boxing Board of Control because of their fight and bringing the game into disrepute um, over in Germany. Um, that was conducted here in the UK under a, a, a European um, uh, regulator. But So there are ways and means he may be able to navigate that, but obviously it's a, it's a massive um, blow to his career and to the integrity of the sport. But as we also mentioned, the parallel story here is um, what kind of influential and connected people were aware of this and made a choice to let the event run. Um, in the knowledge that one of the fighters had failed a test for whatever the technicalities of there's an appeals process and it would have to test the second sample, etc. It seems terribly unfair and uh, commercially driven rather than the uh, the best interests and health of the two participants, to my mind. So that story needs to unfold too. That's the voice of David Payne, the boxing writer. Find his website, boxingwriter.co.uk. Does a tremendous job with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We love reading him uh, as well as he previews fights. His specialty, obviously, with fighters uh, abroad from where we are in the United States doing this podcast in the UK, in England. But he goes back and forth with the fighters here uh, as well. And I love the insight. Just one more uh, on this whole thing. It's a blemish on the sport across the board when you put greed in front of safety in particular. And I, I think that's what you're, you know, again, making mention of here that that Rivas should have known, the public should have known, and it, and it simply looks on face value like the pay-per-view and the biggest fight on the pay-per-view potentially being jeopardized if not canceled was was above whether or not Rivas was in there with somebody that was juiced that was juiced up during the fight that would that would be the natural conclusion from the from the information we have at this point obviously um, all parties need a platform or the opportunity to put forward their case but that would that would seem as I say on the basis of what we know thus far that would seem to be the natural conclusion to draw um, which is a sad state of affairs, um, whatever, again, the technicalities of the British Boxing Board of Control's regulations are. And it, it is important for balance to point out that the British Boxing Board of Control is recognised around the world as one of the most stringent bodies in terms of fighter health and well um, and safety. Some of the things that they introduced, at, uh, the ringside protocols, the availability of ambulances, oxygen, etc., in the aftermath of other events that have occurred, um, are respected around the world and admired around the world. However, in this instance, on the evidence we have, it would seem um, they are complicit in something in a judgment call that seems um, misplaced at this point in time. But again, there's probably some more information 
that will make it a bit more of a subjective conclusion, I suspect, yet to come. I'll make one more sarcastic point. It's a shame that it's cost Dillian White that number one status that he has so coveted and held so many different times that might have very possibly, perhaps, gotten him a title shot in the next lifetime. But apparently that is what well, has exactly happened. Well, the, 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 yeah, it, it, it seems um, lighthearted to, 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 to even worry about that at this point um, because clearly if he has committed the offence, then he doesn't deserve much sympathy. Um, but it is regrettable, if we just put that to one side for a moment, that someone who has been willing to fight very good fighters and, and stay active in the absence of a title shot should be... To, to be found to, to be unable to continue that journey because we've enjoyed it, haven't we? And it was a good fight on Saturday. Um, but in light of other events over the weekend, we can't get away from the fact that this is a dangerous enough sport without one guy, um, unwitting or otherwise, taking an unfair and illegal advantage into the ring. There's a there's a, there's enough uh, danger inherent in boxing without that. So, um. And we should all be wise to that. And and it's the other tragedy of boxing um, that, of course, uh, people like the WBC only imposed a six-month ban on Jarrell Miller um, for taking some of the most potent um, performance-enhancing drugs it's possible to ingest. So who knows what they may say about this. It isn't beyond the realms of belief that um, Dillian White could still fight for a WBC title in 2020, irrespective almost of what the outcome of, uh, of further findings might be. All right, David. So you've made mention kind of uh, roundabout about, obviously, the reminder, the awful reminder of how dangerous boxing is, and that's the death of Russian junior welterweight contender uh, Maxim Dadashev. Dadashev uh, dying four days after injury suffered in a in what was a hotly contested fight that became a one-sided fight as it wore on with a Puerto Rican contender also unbeaten named Subriel Matias. Matthias, uh, again, began to wear Dadashev down, scored with significant punches, was out landing him at a 3-1 to one clip when James Buddy McGirt, the legendary cornerman, former fighter himself, finally said to Dadashev, you're too far behind, you're taking too much punishment, I'm stopping the fight after the 11th round. Um, and we now know that uh, he was in great distress, and it's once again called into question what you said the immediacy of treatment of fighters with ambulance standing by, paramedics standing by, oxygen standing by. There was some delay in getting all of that for Dadashev after the fight. I've said my piece here for a moment. What do you want to say in the aftermath of this about the awful reminder that we got with another death in the ring? Uh, because this this has happened numerous times, obviously, over the years in boxing, David. It has, and we lean heavily on um, what can feel like patronizing cliche at times like this uh, our love of, our love of a sport that is inherently entwined with danger and violence um, is, is difficult to explain sometimes at times like this and we lean heavily on the um, the fable of the lives that it saves the ones that it saves away from the spotlight um, that is thrown on the ring when someone uh, is 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 essentially killed by the sport um, the ones that uh, are saved from 
a lost life, uh, say from poverty, are taken from you know chaotic lifestyles and make something of themselves with so the discipline um, that boxing can give them. It can seem trite to bring things like that up, but it is a truth that boxing gives many thousands of people hope, opportunity, reason uh, that they wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and if boxing was banned in some way, which obviously is inevitably called for at times like this, then it would disappear underground and there'd be less regulation, less safety, less concern over the health of the participants. Um, and so deaths would still occur. Um, none of that feels particularly comfortable to say or it seems of much value when you consider the young families that Maxime, dad chef, just 28 with a wife and, and a child leaves behind or his compatriot from Argentina we lost today, Hugo Santillan, who also fought um, at the weekend and unfortunately succumbed to the injuries he received. Um, a son of a fighter but of the same name too. Um, so tragi- tragedy strikes boxing again. Um, unfortunately, again, it... it it isn't easy to say, but alas, the stories will move on. Their names will be remembered, but boxing will move on. There'll be more fights tonight. There'll be more fights at the weekend, and this and the the carnival that it, that is boxing will 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 move forward. Um, but it does give everybody a point to reflect, to reassess, to recalibrate their expectations of people that step into the ring, and it should give us all some much needed urgency to really press that. Uh, certainly think issues like um, extreme weight loss for different weight divisions and title fights sure. and also things like the, uh, the the drug taking that we've been talking about are really, we get to the bottom of some of those issues and we find remedies um, because the, the sport is dangerous enough and takes lives on occasion. So uh, it's not to be taken lightly. And it's, it's definitely fighter safety first and foremost. Um, again, I always love your insight. Tell the fans again where they can find you, how they can find you to read more of what they've been hearing about here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, David. Uh, well, as always, as TJ's very kind to introduce, um, you can find me at boxingwriter.co.uk. If you want to follow me on social media, I use Twitter, um, and it's at the Boxing Writer. And hopefully I might be appearing on uh, Big Fight Weekend podcast again and perhaps on the website too. So uh, catch me there. And thanks again, as always, TJ. Sorry, it's uh, not slightly happier, happier themes this week. Well, sure, the realities of boxing that are there, but uh, we've got more great fights ahead too that we're previewing on this episode. And we always love the inside of David Payne. David, thank you. Good night there in England. We appreciate it. Yeah, always, always fun, TJ. Take care. We are getting ready for Gervonta Davis, Ricardo Nunez. That's the Showtime main event on Saturday night uh, that will be upcoming in Baltimore, Maryland. Meanwhile, in Texas, it does seem everything's bigger in Texas. You've got a championship doubleheader that includes Maurice Hooker in action, the DAZN show there. Who better to help me break these things down, set me straight, Weigh in on some of the things we've already been talking about and some of the things that we haven't been talking about than the guy that is the lead writer, the purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com. Here he is. He's back. He's Marquise Johns. How you feeling? Pretty good, TJ. Just looking forward to for another weekend of fights as always. Yes, indeed. Okay, so before we get to the action in the ring, let's cover the things outside of the ring that we've already been talking about on the podcast. 
Uh, we begin on the somber note that we were kind of ending the conversation with with David Payne a few moments ago, that since last we talked, we have the death of a Russian fighter in an American boxing ring or, or shortly after being in an American boxing ring in Maxim Dadashev, a junior welterweight unbeaten fighter uh, succumbed to brain injuries four days after his bout last Friday night with a uh, an unbeaten Puerto Rican contender named Subriel Matias. So, uh, Marquise, I've already said some things about this. What do you want to say? We've written about it. I wrote about it on the site. You've written about it on the site. What do you want to say as we get the the unfriendly, awful reminder of how brutal boxing can be? We're always reminded, TJ, when situations and tragedies like this happen, that it is a contact sport and that these guys are always putting their lives on the line every time the bell rings. The one thing that concerns me more than anything else is that we hope that with lessons like this and with fights like this that we get either a stronger or a tougher protocol on safety or just a way to make things as a whole for the fighters safe as a whole when it happens. Tim Bradley, when we mentioned about on the, on the, on the site for BigFightWeekend.com, mentioned a great line where he said, every time I talk to my wife and kids, I don't always tell her I may not look like this when I go back out. And he was dead serious when he said that. Yeah. And he was adamant about it as well. And it put me in perspective when I was reading that and listening to him about say that when he said it. And it, it just brings kind of just brings everything down to a law and it puts everything back in perspective that it, at the end of the day, these guys are all human beings and they just want to make ends meet and survive like everybody else. And they have families, uh, you know, they have girlfriends, they have wives, they have kids. And I, I mean, I thought it was uh, very appropriate. I mean, he was animated. This was an interview after ESPN had left the air. The ESPN Plus coverage had left the air. And Brad and Bradley was uh, even saying, I don't know that we did enough to get him medical attention and get him to the hospital quick enough after the fight. Um, and and I, I hope uh, that that, uh, that reminder is there again. The interesting thing, it's it's awful, but it's it's worth the debate, is it's not as if Dadashev had suffered, let's say, two knockdowns in the final round and was being beaten senseless with the referee saving him and stopping it. It was more grueling, being worn down, absorbing a volume of punches, and Buddy McGirt could just see it looking at him. And so I'm not excusing what should have probably been done quicker, but I'm understanding better. We didn't have a brutal moment, a brutal end of that fight that would say, get the get the bloody stretcher in the ring, get him on the oxygen, get him to the hospital. Not at all. And it's the way that the fight went down, you, you see that you can see if it's the one thing that I will give ESPN credit for on, on this is that that fight and that whole card as a whole has been taken down for more than one reason or another. You can also throw in the fact that Telefimo Lopez's dad dropped the N-bomb on live television. That's always wow. going to hang out. That's always a good idea. So ESPN on, on, their, on, the, on the Plus app, is that, that fight's gone, so you have to go through the uh, sketchy ways to find it now. And the one thing about that fight when I was watching it last week is that over time you could see the signs of him being of not being functional. Like at one point, I want to say it was a 9th or 10th round, TJ. He was taking, I think, a solid 20 to 50, 30 shots. And it just makes you wonder, like, why didn't they stop it then? We, we, we can sit here and, and speculate and question all the time. Why didn't they stop it here, here, and here? But at the end of the day, he's still gone. And that's what makes this thing just more tragic than anything else. Yes, it is. Uh, awful and an awful reminder. So uh, we have that. Let's go ahead and get it out of the way. The controversy that involves 
uh, Dillian White. Again, David and I were just talking about this. I've said some things. David said a bunch. You have the floor, Marquise Johns. What do you want to say in particular when we have now learned White failed the, the drug test before the fight and they said nothing? It makes you wonder how much money was being hidden or given to Rivas at the end of all of this. Because <laughs> if you were to tell me, TJ, I'm going to fight a guy who failed a drug test and nothing done for it. And we, we find out today uh, as we're recording this is that Rivas's camp had, of course, had no idea that he was failed. He failed the drug test. Of course, the British Boxing Council let the fight go on because White appealed it. I mean, once the, once the appeal goes through, TJ, like any other sports suspension, you got to play through it. But to in see 2019, what how do you not have an obligation as, as the British Boxing Control Board that David was talking about? How do you not have an obligation to tell the other fighter that he has tested positive for performance enhancing drugs and the other fighter should know that? Why is that not automatic? I didn't know why that was hidden information either. And. The one thing that's concerning about it, because Eddie Hearn had an interview today with IFL TV. At this point, I think he's part of the network of IFL TV, all the YouTube videos they have with this guy. And he spent about 28 minutes, TJ. Let me, let me know if this sounds very exciting uh, video to you. Uh, we're waiting on more litigation. We are waiting for information to be followed up at a later date. And additional information will follow, and we're waiting on a Dillian White press statement. This this was 26 minutes of this, TJ. That's what <laughs> that's what happened. So Eddie Hearn is all but passing the buck on this. I, I think I explained even on the on Twitter at Week Sauce Radio, TJ. It's it's, it's like those old uh, Looney Tune cartoons where you know like the character holds the bomb. And like he thinks he thrown the bomb at somebody, but then he looks at he opens his eyes back up and it blows right back up. And then he's That's, standing there and he has no hair left and smoke and the cartoon character is, you know, yeah, I, I get yeah. the I get the vision. Look, uh, <laughs> it just it appears that they were trying to because, you know, keep in mind, we're in the United States. This and, and it was on the zone, but this no. was a pay-per-view in the UK and in Europe. And a big Saturday night, big deal with the heavyweights, and that was the main event. And they mm-hmm. they didn't want to cancel the main event because of it. It's it looks seedy, unseemly, whatever adjective or adverb you want to use. That it was a money grab to keep that fight going and to not tell Rivas. That's exactly why they kept that fight going, and it's very questionable at best. TJ, that they Hearn and anyone on the other side didn't explain to the that to the other folks at Rivas, hey, our guy. Uh, wasn't exactly safe or clean with this and also with white this is also what's going to be a second time with this and the one thing about the, these drug testing bans and we're, as it, as he waits for his b sample maybe it may show up clean more times than not it doesn't if the first sample this kind of reminds me of what happened when they popped Jarrell miller earlier this year the first sample came up with a few drugs then they wait for the b sample and we, and we found tj more drugs <laughs> so that's what I expect with this, and I expect that prepared statement from Dillian White to come out with saying something along the lines of, I made a force. You know the usual cliches when you, you know when people get caught with tasting for drugs, you know, I made a horrible mistake. Right. It was a reckless taste. Well, but like judgment. David, if I can interject, like David pointed out, he was caught before. Uh, and it was it was apparently a, a banned substance in medication that was his excuse then, and he appealed um and, and I guess got the got the punishment lessened on appeal, but how many times do you get to cry wolf here of, uh, I, I didn't know, I'm sorry, I inadvertently took it before we believe, no, you were taking it on purpose. So, all right, I, I promise, let's move on to the fights yes. that are in the ring. 
uh, for this weekend, please, Marquise Johns. Let's start with Gervonta Davis, this fight with Nunez. Uh, all right, flat out to you. Is this thing going beyond a couple of rounds, or is Davis going to just dispatch this guy in the Showtime main event in short order? What do you think? I think with Gervonta Davis in this fight in his hometown of Baltimore, which will probably have a ring entrance longer than the actual fight itself, like his last fight against Hugo Luis, I don't expect this to last longer than two rounds, maybe three. And I'm hoping that this will actually, with Gervonta, now that this mandatory is out the way for him, will set up a, a fight down the line with more than likely the winner on the other card uh, on the zone with uh, Tevin Farmer facing uh, Guillermo Fermol, the guy who he already fought already, who in Jumbo Carroll is the same guy. They both fought to a draw last time. So the IBF is running out of opponents for Tevin Farmer to fight. And at this point, this, the next fight for these two guys is these two guys. And, yeah, right, fight each other, right? At this point, yes. And hopefully this will actually put that fight in the ring as well because they've been talking on Twitter about fighting each other for, since I've reacted by my account, and it seems kind of endless at this point. Well, and again, you got separate promotions. You've got you know separate networks that are involved here, but maybe that is uh, what we're heading towards. I thought it was interesting when Barry Tompkins – and I were talking uh, that he was saying, hey, you know, Davis Davis comes from a really rough part of Baltimore. It's an interesting success story, but he's been arrested a couple of times, including earlier this year. Uh-huh. He's got he's not a choir boy. He's got problems outside the ring. Let's see if he's spectacular uh, in this main event. And I know you were curious about another fight on the Showtime undercard here. What's the one car, uh, undercard fight that you're interested in as well? Uh, on the Absolutely. Undercard? Yeah, on the undercard, Ladarius Miller is fighting Jezrus Corrales, former featherweight champion who upset the guy in Japan a while back. Uh, it's going to be a good test for him to see where he stacks up uh, competition-wise uh, as part of the uh, Team Money team in regards to Miller. Hopefully, with Miller, Corrales is not known for punching power, but the one time he did knock somebody out, he won the belt for it. We'll see how that stacks up. But that's the fight that I'm looking for. All right, for so Ladarius Miller and Jezreel, if I have it right, Corrales, 10-round lightweight undercard fight uh, on the undercard of Davis and Nunez. And again, worth pointing out, Nunez has never fought outside of Panama uh, in 23 professional fights, 21-2, and two, 20 knockouts, 9 knockouts in his last 10 fights. You were telling me before we began the official interview, you've actually seen online a couple of his fights and there's questions about the competition. There's there's questions on the legitimacy of how how strong a puncher is he versus are these tomato cans that he's fighting, right? Absolutely. And the last fight I saw with Nunez, the WBA, because uh, he's for the WBA mandatory, they held a streaming card on their, on their platform a couple, a couple of months back. I want to say back in April where he was fighting in this nice, this very nice ballroom, actually. But the guy he was facing looked like he may have found gloves for the first time in his life. And he took care <laughs> of him in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's one of those things where people You're, always talk about. Are South you saying American. that it's like those tough man competitions where the guy may have signed up out of the crowd and they gave him gloves and trunks? It's not that bad, but maybe close. He may have thought it was the prices right, TJ. The price was wrong on that one. Let's put it that way. Oh, all right. So we'll see if Nunez has anything in that one. The DAZN card again. Hooker Ramirez uh, is the main event. Uh, in that one. And for Mo Hooker, you wrote about this earlier for the junior welterweight champion. This is kind of a homecoming situation for him, not unlike Davis in Baltimore. This is a bigger deal for Hooker there in Texas fighting Jose Ramirez. Absolutely. With, with Hooker in this hometown fight, fighting back in Dallas, it, with his close-knit family, he is looking forward to making a big scene on this big stage. And nothing bigger than having a unification bout with, with Jose Ramirez, who has been looking like a 
beast lately with these last few fights. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what version of Hooker we get. The last time we all saw Hooker was against Mikhail Le Perez, uh, Pierre actually, who for 12 rounds was beaten around. So we'll see if if Ramirez can actually keep up with Hooker in terms of competition with for from Hooker. And let me rephrase that actually, Hooker this go round is having a legit fight as opposed to what he had with Le Pierre, who was very soundly beaten over 12 rounds and actually was dropped, I want to say, three times in that bout, actually. All right, and again, that's WBO and WBC belts on the line in the 140-pound junior welterweight uh, division. IBF junior lightweight title fight that you already referenced is Tevin Farmer uh, and Guillaume Frenois, if I have the last name right. That is sure. for the IBF Junior Lightweight Championship. So they'll, and that's the co-feature. So that fight theoretically will have happened before the Gervonta Davis fight. So we may hear lots of squabbling and lots of bickering on social media after these fights are over with that Davis and Farmer might fight each other. As I customarily do, if there's anybody that's on it for this weekend for all the fight action, it's Marquise. You need to be following him at Weak Sauce Radio on Twitter. Following Big Fight Weekend on Twitter and online, is there another fight that I am leaving out, another fighter that you are also interested in this weekend, or did we pretty well cover it, Marquise? Those are the main ones, with the exception of on the Hooker Ramirez card, because that honestly is the card to watch this weekend. Out of Houston, Ammo Williams is in action again. He made his pro debut a while back in spectacular fashion on these zone cards, and he's He's in another spotlight fight as well against, like, like they always say, TJDU, favorable opposition. So <laughs> he should be ready for another first-round knockout just to highlight his skills. He's an exciting-looking prospect as well. Now, So it's Austin Williams, and he goes by Animal. Is that what you said? Uh, ammo, actually. Ammo. Ammo like ammunition. So Ammo Williams yeah. is a middleweight. It's a scheduled four-rounder, but you're putting the under over at 45 seconds, 90 seconds, one round. What are you putting the under over at? I, I, I will give it the same time as I give a hot pocket a minute and a half. <laughs> I love it. A minute and a half is, uh, is right. Listen, we want to plug away. Many, many fans are finding... Uh, about uh, or finding out about BigFightWeekend.com here as we come down the stretch of the month of July. Thank you to those that are finding the website on behalf of Marquise and me. Subscribe to the podcast, by the way, on iTunes, uh, wherever you find podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcast, because, uh, again, we bring great guests on as best we can. Marquise does a great job of keeping me in the middle of the road. we got David Payne over in the U.K. giving us kind of the British or European perspective on things. Uh, but Marquise, we have a lot of fun with the site, and we want to say thank you to a bunch of audience that has found us in the last few days on all these subjects, and we want to tell them we're going to keep it coming, right? Give them an idea of what they can find when they go to BigFightWeekend.com. Absolutely. When you go to BigFightWeekend.com, TJ, you're always going to find uh, news reviews and anything on boxing, past, present, and future that we're working on. Working on a piece for the weekend where I, Kulav Pulev is uh, being reinstated for, after his debacle uh, with uh, the reporter out in L.A., I'm going to leave names out of this for a second of conversation and litigations. But he's able to fight again, and he was at one point rumored to fight Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is now being rumored to fight uh, the LeBron James of boxing, Prince Charles Martin now, TJ. So I'm working on a story with that <laughs> from, from the side as we have. So and, that Pulev, be and Pulev is a decent puncher, but again, he got in trouble for kissing, as you said it there, kissing a reporter after the fight. Of all things, forget about drug tests or forget about doing something illegal that gets you disqualified. Kissing a reporter can now get you in trouble, too. Uh, he did go 
to his def- to her defense, he, he did go full Bugs Bunny. You never uh, go full Bugs Bunny. Oh my lord! <laughs> and whenever you go full Bugs Bunny, you got to be dealt with. Is what you're saying? Take the left turn yeah. at Albuquerque. Always uh, take the left turn. Does anybody does anybody below the age of thirty or twenty five get that reference? I'm not sure. Um, but in any no. event, uh, so Pulev, uh, you're going to be writing about, we write about historical fights, but also preview mode for these fights with Gervonta uh, Davis and Nunez, the Maurice Hooker-Ramirez fight, the Tevin Farmer a championship fight, preview mode, recap mode. They can find it all on BigFightWeekend.com, right? Yes, they can. And also you can find me, once again, on Twitter, at Radio. Pound for pound, TJ, still the best Twitter handle in the business. I'm challenging anybody. I'm, I'm haven't seen any contenders yet. I'm waiting. Also, you can find also the site at Big Fight Weekend. Follow that as well. Always having news articles up there as, to keep up everybody updated in the world of boxing. I know you were uh, you were writing also late in the week on the Polish American heavyweight contender. Uh, contender Adam uh, Kalnowski, who has the knockout streak going. He's going to be in a main event in a couple of weeks in New York against Chris Ariola. Uh, and and Kalnowski could find himself in the mix. Uh, I, I loved I loved the column about uh, the the article about the dad bod because I'm kind of developing the dad bod as it is. And there, look, if if Kalnowski can laugh at himself, if Andrew Ruiz can laugh at himself eating a Snickers bar and having the dad bod or the mall cop bod, these guys can punch. Ask Anthony Joshua. Uh, ask the guys that Kalnowski has been laying out. These guys can punch, so they may not have the the Mr. Olympia physique, but uh, let's see. So if you want to read more about Kalnowski, you can go in there on BigFightWeekend.com, Dillian White, the previews of these fights this weekend, what's going on with Pacquiao Mayweather. Give me a 15-second take. Are Pacquiao and Mayweather just blowing smoke and trading barbs on social, social media, or is there something to this that we may see them fight in 2020? What say you, just on a guess? No, no chance at all. I think this is that boxing apocalypse we talked about last podcast, TJ, was supposed to happen. This is that apocalypse of, of them hinting at it. It's not going to happen. It took eight years for them to get the fight for the first one to set up. It's going to take another nine for the second one. So they're just running their math at this point. And I know, and I, know I didn't ask you, and, I, and we're going to get out of here in a minute on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, but Pacquiao was tremendous. We're both disappointed because we live in the Tampa Bay area. We wanted to see Keith Thurman maybe somehow come out on top and stay in the mix. But you got to give a lot of credit to Pacquiao. I, I know there's lots of speculation that Pacquiao may be on something. David Payne was alluding to that. There's nothing proven, and they and they tr- and they tested in and around this fight and after this fight, and until otherwise, this was just a tremendous performance. And he put the whipping on on Thurman for 12 rounds the other night. That flash knockdown in the first round, TJ, when Keith was not running into that hook, that was the end of that fight, and it took Keith literally half the fight to get back to it. And by that time, it was too late. And then in the 10th round, that body shot that he hit on Thurman is something incredible. And he just, and not for nothing, TJ, he just looked leaps and bounds faster than Thurman in the fight, which is impressive because people, we we, that's all we heard leading him to the fight. Old man, old man, slow. I hate to say it, Freddie Roach was right. I caught up, I got caught up in, is he going to get worn down? He didn't get worn down. He was, he was still fresh. Uh, he very well, we don't know this. He may very well have broken Keith's nose in the fifth round too. I mean, Keith was bleeding the throughout the rest of the fight from the shots to the nose. So Pacquiao deserves a lot of credit. We'll see who he ends up fighting next. I'm not so sure it's not the whole semifinal thing with Errol Spence and and Sean Porter on pay per view, and the winner of that gets Pacquiao early next year. Let's see. Uh, maybe Pacquiao wants no part of Errol Spence. I don't know. 
We'll uh, we'll find out. Listen, great stuff. Again, Marquise Johns, thank you for hanging out with me one more time here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast, sir, as we get ready for the weekend of fights. Thank you, TJ, for having me on as always, and looking forward to the weekend. There is Weak Sauce Radio. Follow him on Twitter. My thanks also to Barry Tompkins of Showtime for being with us. He's on the call of the Gervonta Davis a world title fight there on Showtime. David Payne, as always, to the boxing writer, boxingwriter.co.uk. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We're back soon enough here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Check things out on bigfightweekend.com as well. I'm TJ Reeves. Bye.